Welcome everybody to yet another episode where I have actually got what I want to talk about. <sighs> Just let me... Whoa. That is some toenail. Yeah, I'll, I'll get my mummy to cut that. That is chipped in the most amazing of ways. I've got to add. Huh. Oh well. Um... I mean, it is soft enough for me to kind of go, Mother, can you cut my toenail now? Uh, but I'll ask her, you know, she can cut it tomorrow. It's not a big deal. But oh boy, that is a sore toenail. Right, um, I want to discuss something on this podcast. And uh, before I discuss that, though, I'm going to discuss book, dreams, journalization. don't know if that's a word. If it is, then maybe it probably doesn't mean what I'm going to talk about. But anyways, um, I'm a little bit saddened, if that's a word. <laughs> Lots of words tonight, folks. <laughs> We're reinventing the dictionary. Just a minute. Hello? Oh. Yeah, well, I said I'd do it tomorrow. So, yeah. All right, bye-bye. My toenails are hurting me, though, so I will kind of get mother... Whoops! ...to do them, to make sure she does them. Because the, you know... Anyways, um... I just want a bit of a moan, folks. Now, usually... Um, just as a side note, I don't moan all that much. Well, I do, but it's kind of um, not very relevant half the time. And, yeah, it's quite sudden, really, because, as you all know, I'm a big music lover. You should know. It's it's important. The world needs to know. And, unfortunately, um, I've been to festivals. I've been to music festivals. I've been to the O2. I got to see Queens of the Stone Age, for heaven's sake. Um, that was tremendous. And, do you know, I remembered how crowded that tent was. Um, in fact, I remembered how... Because we, we were stood on the disabled platform. And I remember sprinting over with my cane in my hand. And uh, my, my the, the enabler catched up with me... Um, this nail's going to chip in half. And uh, he goes, oh, do you know what? Screw it. And we got to a crowded tent where there's like a few people stood there. There's about 20 people stood there. How I pushed in front of that crowd, I'll never know. Because there was like, if you can imagine, if you've been to a music festival, you'll kind of know or understand how how it how it goes. Right? The crowd 
we're literally because we couldn't go back to the disabled toilet. We did get to the disabled toilet, but we couldn't get where we got back to the tent, and it was strange. They all let me back to my position, and I'll never understand how it all happened. Never. Um, if you go to the music festival, you'll know what crowds are like. Um, we went to Harewood House in Yorkshire. Um, with a couple of support workers, you know, because I said, you know, it'd be all right to go to a rock festival. It was okayed, you know, so we did go to a rock festival, and my word, um, that was fantastic. It was probably a moment that I cannot go back and relive. I wish I could, though, because it was fantastic. Um, I mean, Queens of the Stone Age just blew white stripes out of the water. Um, you know, and... Do you know, um, the disabled platform, even though it's rubbish, it has its advantages. <laughs> it has its advantages. Um, and technically, if I... See, the problem with this, these disabled platforms... I'm, kind of, I'm just going to have a little rant for a second, right? The, you know, the, the, the disabled platforms are brilliant, but they're not brilliant. Because the half... A radius from the tent. Now, obviously, I can understand how they've done it. Because if there's people who don't like loud... Blah, I can't speak. If there's people that don't like loud sounds, they've done it correctly. Um, but there should be a disabled platform that's near the tent. There isn't. The uh, the ones at Harewood, the ones at the O2, um, are actually... They have them a fair back from the tent. Um, the ones they set up at the O2. And they're literally, like, people... The, the, the people that go on to these disabled platforms are people that don't want to go near the tents. Um, they don't have that festival experience. They don't want... Basically, it's people that don't like the, the loud music. That's, that's what they're there for. <laughs> um, but I digress. Um, so I, you know, me and... Um, me and Nick. I'll I'll name the enabler. I'll I'll name this guy because he was fantastic. Um, you know we uh, we used the disabled platform for, but his with we he was thinking on my thinking uh, towards like when Queens of Stone Age were on because like because oh, he was like, how did you get near the stage? <laughs> you know, how did you get near the stage? And seriously, I was right near the barriers. And again, if you know, if you understand how festivals work, you know, I was right near, I could see the band, but, you know, Queens of the Stone Age are a band that I, I advise you go see live because they are bloody brilliant. I don't know if they're, they're the same live, but when I went to see them live, they were freaking brilliant, you know? Um, and it was raining, but do you know what was strange? The rain was bouncing off the tent. It was like a an effect. I was like, I'm sure. You know, when, when uh, Nick was explaining it to me, it was like, that sounds like an effect that the band added, <laughs> you know? The way he was describing it was like some effect that the band added. But I can reassure you, it was no effect because the rain was really heavy that day and there was lots of mud. Um, so, yeah, I got to experience that. And... Um, White Stripes came on and they weren't brilliant, so 
we walked back to the disabled platform and do you know we the white stripes were good but they were a bit of a disappointment to watch live because you hear them on you hear them in the studio and you think hmm sure there's more people in this band and then they go on stage and it's like you can tell there's two people but it's it's i don't know it's one of those um and sort of i don't know jack black uh, jack black jack white sorry um, isn't as energetic as you would think on stage sometimes. Like, I don't know, that's just my opinion. But, you know, um, I still enjoyed the White Stripes. Uh, at least I got to see them live while they were still going. Um, so, yeah, I got to see the White Stripes live. But when you want to go see sort of like um, a DJ live, that's a bit difficult, isn't it? Um you know that is difficult in it you know unless they're playing i don't know unless they're playing at the philharmonic where it's probably going to be like less crowded and they're going to be seats but seriously you you don't but if you're going to go see a dj live it's going to be difficult to listen to a dj doing his thing why you're sat down on one of those nice comfy chairs <laughs> you're gonna want to get up and jump at some point um you know um that's kind of the thing um i mean i know um i, I don't know i'll have to check um they probably do have DJs on at these, like, concert places, you know? So you can sort of sit down and watch them. I wouldn't really want it to be frankly fair. I wouldn't be sitting down to watch it. I'd be sitting down, you know, while they're warming up, obviously. You know, I'd be sitting down while it's sort of, uh, while they're setting up and everything. But once the actual thing happens and the, the atmosphere's, you know, all electric, you don't really want to be sat down for that, do you, you know? Um... It's it's just one of those. Um, I mean, it's like... Um, I have actually been told off at gigs. You know, they've had seats and they're playing a really good song and I'll stand up. Um, it happened at um, Ian Anderson's concert. Um, <laughs> I got told off by one of the ushers. <laughs> you know, sit down. Um, it It's strangely, you know, I'm being, and I'm being serious, you know. Um, it's not like the Martin Offler one where we all got to stand up. Because literally everybody, it's like, you know, what's the point of having a seat? You know, it's it's all right. Okay, I understand if your feet are aching, that's understandable. You know, you sit down. But, yeah. um, but seriously, um, I think if you was to go and watch a DJ at the Philharmonic Hall, you, you would have to sort of stand up and then turn your back to the stage somehow. Because it's the Philharmonic, isn't it? You know, it's, uh, it, it, they have those, like, posh, comfy seats um, in there. I've, I've been there quite a few times, actually. Um, you know, they have those posh, comfy seats in there. And the Philharmonic's not really a place you want to go watch a DJ, <laughs> to be frankly fair. Um, but, you know, if it's, if it's a safe place and it's, well, I'm not going to say it's going to be crowded because... Um, getting in and out the fell on my calls, you know, but um, it's it's doable, I suppose. Maybe there might be. I might have to look. 
Um, but yeah, um, it's going to be different to some rowdy bar, isn't it? Or club or etc. Um, the only problem is you don't really get the atmosphere as much, um, which is a problem um, that you find. But, I don't know, the atmosphere is kind of lights and smoke machines and lasers and all the rest of it. Um, which is technically why I'm trying to walk away from functions. Um, so I can play with lasers and smoke machines. Um, I don't know, that's, that's a bit more... There's a bit more to it than that. Um, you know... It's so I can play with the coolest drum machines. No, it's not that either. Um, I don't know. I always think as well that... I don't know. When you go to a disco, people don't do much. Um, I'll discuss that in a minute. <laughs> uh, but back to watching a DJ live. Um, you don't really get to, to do that, really. You don't really get to go and... I think dance music's one of those you've got to just enjoy at home. Ah. Yeah. Um, it's one of those that you have to enjoy at home. Um, I don't know. I would love to go to, like, a dance music gig or something. Um, I, I don't know. I might see how much a backstage passes because right you pay for the backstage pass i mean that's gonna be sort of if you paid for that you could get in backstage and not only that you could probably stand on the stage and it's not like i'd want to interfere with the dj why he or she is is playing um but you get you're on the you're with the action. It's like, you know, with dance music, it's different. You know, it's like, you know, um, with heavy metal and classical. You know, you get to take your guitar or whatever. But with dance music, it's different. I think if you get a chance to sort of stand next to the DJ, you know, you'd be, you know, to sort of why they're on stage. That would be very magical. You know, that would just be like the magicalest moment ever because you're sort of watching <laughs> you're sort of um looking down on the crowd that'd be a fantastic moment you know because i personally would love it now as a dj myself it'd be different because you're watching someone else do what someone's doing but you could stand on the stage and you could pretend and it'd be like not only would it be like you know because people in the crowd they're too busy throwing their hands in there you could just sort of admire what's going on and you could just sort of take it all in you go wow you know and you could watch the people and even when they do that thing where they throw themselves off the stage you'd be like watching you know going wow that's amazing you know um but that'd be fantastic um i mean if somebody asked me if i'd have like a go crowd surfing i'd say no thanks but you know <laughs> It's up to you if you want to do it, but um, I'd just be there and I'd be... I remember when I was a little boy, um, this takes me back, 
I remember there was a band uh, when they were setting up um, and they, when they were warming up and doing the sound checks, they had a let me go, let me have a go of their equipment. But when they were on stage, um, I was allowed to stand by the guy who had a, a drum and bass machine. Um, you know those machines that used to go boom, 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 all that kind of stuff. Uh, you don't see them as much now, but um, yeah, and the drum machine and um. I just watched this guy program the rhythms all night, you know? And I used to, the guitarist, I used to sit by the amp, or I used to stand by the amps, and I used to watch the guitarists play. That would be the golden moment. The, the DJs on stage, I'd be like, wow, what's he going on to now? His drum machine? Wow. You'd watch them program the drum machine. That'd be like a moment of like, that'd be like, you'd be like, oh. You know, because usually when you see DJs, they press a button, you think, they're just pressing the play button all night. But if you were to actually see them programming the drum machine, that'd be fantastic. Like, wow. You know, that'd be like, I don't know, that would be, as for me, I'd be in, in cloud nine, 999,000, I think, to watch them do it. Um to be stood by them. I think you would get a little few tips along the way, you know. Hmm. How many drum machines can you get on stage? I've actually seen Kaigo's setup, you know Kaigo. I've actually seen pictures of his of his setup. He's got like he has four drum machines and three synthesizers on stage. Anyway, um he does. He has about four drum machines and three synthesizers on stage. I've actually seen a picture of one of his drum machines, a proper close-up of one of his drum machines he's got a really nice looking drum machine it's like real old school style um i think it's a 909 he's got he's got an, he does have another one as well and he's got a few synths he's got a few korg synths you know he's got a couple of laptops as well i'm gonna go because i'm gonna get my ginger beer Have you ever felt that sometimes when you're when you're dreaming you can do things that you won't be able to do when you're awake and have you noticed that things very different situations objects just everything becomes you know very different you know and how you can screw up a situation within seconds you could sort of do that in real life but in dreams it's hard to you know it's it's easier to do it in dreams than it is you know it's kind of like i don't know a shortcut to do it but i actually found this week that meditation is more powerful actually um i've been doing some spiritual stuff in meditation a lot of people have been doing now you don't have to do spiritual meditation i've been doing some other 
other meditation just before I start my day to kind of help um, ease things off. Um, because there can be shit going on in your life and you just kind of want to piece things up. You want to sort stuff out. And you, you know, it's, it's always good to have that meditation stuff going on. You know, we as mental health advocates um, suggest that you get involved in meditation because you can, you know, make the rules in meditation that you cannot make in real life. So you can just, I don't know, you can hallucinate if you wanted to, I don't know, have um, a psychedelic experience, you know, and you can go back and forward in time you can experience, if you want to experience something, why not do it in meditation, you know, uh, if you want to fly, if you want to do whatever you want, if you want to, if you just want to experience something, experience it, because that's the way the things will happen, and, um, Sometimes you will get visions and things shown to you within meditation. If you ask for them, um, then, you know, obviously it'll make your meditative journey um, a lot better. Now, I've found it easy to med- meditate over the coming years because I've practiced it and stuff and it's taken ages to practice it you're not gonna go room you know and and it's it's like you have to real picture where you want to be and stuff like that so um maybe in a future episode I might do that um I want to talk about my book where I am with it and at the moment there's a hell of a lot of stuff going on um Mike's got into a sticky situation. He's found the real Neil. Um, he's going to have to find the copied Neil to basically try and retrieve what he can. But he's also trying to find the tapes as well. That's all going on. And it's all happening. It's like it's a Friday lunchtime, but it's not just any Friday lunchtime. Stuff is happening. <laughs> you know, this is the beginning of the book, and um, yeah, there's a lot of stuff happening at the moment. There's a lot of fighting going on at the minute. Um, oh, there's a hell of a lot of fighting going on. There's people getting punched and kicked and stuff, um, and all that kind of real good stuff happening. Um, I think there should be a lot of violence in a cyberpunk book just because you know, technology, everything's really fast. Uh, people are trying to know stuff, um, and because um, Neil has done something really bad, uh, means that um, well, it's not necessarily mad and bad because he's copied his memory, but they also know. That Mike is looking for somebody. They also know that. And these hackers. You know, the good hackers. Are going to help Mike. Into bad situation. Uh, because he's fighting the bad hackers. 
And you'll know that. Like, they're guarding the Daily Blob. And they're after the Daily Blob. Now, unfortunately... Um, the Daily Blob gets deleted. Or some of it does. But not all of it. Um, it's a bit like The Matrix, isn't it? Um, but, of course... If you don't delete things properly, you can retrieve it. Uh, but also, um, people know Mike by his facial recognition. Um, also, just all all kinds of things in that. Um, his blood recognition, his DNA, all that kind of stuff. So, it's it's you know a cyberpunk book. It's 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 real messy. It's real. You know, it's it's the traces of crap that you leave behind. There's not just the footsteps, but everything right down to the the pure feces, man. That's that's how a cyberpunk sh- book should be. You know, the pure attitude. And these hackers, the good hackers, as well as the bad hackers, they don't care for whatever. They don't care for each other. <laughs> well, they only care for what they want, um... And that's something that they should care for. And so they should help other people out getting all the stuff they want. I mean, it's like, imagine you want something from a shop, right? That's that's closed. Um, and you sort of stay in there after closing time. You're going to steal that thing. And then get it to that person. That's how we see hackers. Also... We see hackers as as helpers. So say it's like after closing time, they're going to sort all the paperwork out and do the receipts and whatever that needs doing in that place. Now, hackers do that also. And you'll learn that sometimes people need to help other people out. In bad situations and in good situations. Because um, that's what people do. You know, they help other people out. Um, and unfortunately, the bad people have to help the good people to get what they want too, if you know what I mean. Um, in this book, it's mostly about data. The whole thing's about data. Um, but it's attitude to what we have, what can you get, and that's... Where it gets a bit grimy, you know. It's like what you can get, what you don't have. Things you don't have, but in actually you do have something that somebody wants. If you've got something that somebody wants, they're going to freaking try and kill you for it, you know. They're going to try and fight you for it. So most of the fights in the book, um, and, you know... It's 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 quite violent because it's like punches and kicks and then it's like people grabbing rifles and pistols and, and stuff like that happens. So, it, you know, the stuff like that happens. Um, I thought I've got to have guns right at the beginning of the book because, you know, um, we like shooty-shooty action. Um, but, of course, Mike's getting away from the Daily Blob and all that good stuff happens and then um, we get to more sort of jolly kind of quiet stuff uh, but then the atmosphere builds back up again 
Because when we find James and stuff and then all the good stuff is happening, it's like, oh, welcome to this underground Neville Street. Welcome to this underground world. You know, welcome, welcome, my friend. You're the one that we've found. Welcome. But, um, yeah, stuff happens after that. You know, there's people that basically they want Mike and they also want James and they also want... Do you want them because the pair of them have both got data? What do you do when uh, two people have data? You screw them up. Hello folks, today I've decided to pick up the phone, start recording this shit and tell you that um, you don't need chapters in your book. Um, you know, it's basically, if if you want to write like other writers, you know, fair dues, do, you know, put chapters in. But if you want to write like um, Terry Pratchett and um, William S. Burroughs, you don't need chapters in your book. Because, you see, the problem with chapters is, you know, it, it kind of makes the reader feel comfortable. You know, chapter one to whatever. But you don't necessarily, you know, you need the story. As long as the story is strong and powerful and it's flowing, then, yeah, I would say you, you know, you don't need chapters. But obviously, um, you know, if, if everything is like freeform as well, so it's kind of all... You know, the rock and roll form. So I've got enough sugar in my brains and body. Um, which is not good for you. But neither is cocaine and heroin. Um, maybe I should do that. Uh, don't worry, I won't. Um, but yeah, the, the people in the book... Um, you know, the writing style of the book is the form of... You know, um, whatever the book may take. So, um, and you know, um, and yeah, so that's basically what will happen the book will take its form in the point that there'll be no chapters um, you know even though it's a cyberpunk book I just feel that it needs to be written in the style of you know let's just write because we're on digital we don't have the certain amount of paper that we need to just you know we don't need any paper at all Let's just go with it. But I have decided to do, um, and I'll probably talk about it a bit more in this episode, but I have decided on one of my free days, or free mornings, that I get, um, I will just write the whole morning. I will just write the whole entire morning, and any free time I have, 
I'm just going to sit and write because um, I've just got about a thousand words, which I'm guessing because my braille note does not count pages. It counts words. But I think every time I do a new page, I will just have to count it and remember and make a note of it that I've done, you know, three pages or four pages or something. But I'm guessing the amount that I've written will come to say about eight pages when I retranslate it. Now, this book, I can say, all right, to make readers comfortable, to make publishers comfortable, it will be chapters and so on. But I don't know. See, the problem is, you know, why do you have to have chapters in the book? You've got to remember where it is and where, you know, where it starts and where it ends. You know, um, why can't everything just be so free-flowing? You know, one page goes into another page and another page. You know, there is a beginning, a middle and an end. Um, there's more kinds of scene settings and all kinds of that good stuff. But I haven't found a way or figured a way. Um, and the problem is, I do have some braille paper lying around. So that might be put into good use. Um... This over these coming weeks, the amount of braille paper that I do have will be just be for writing notes on um, for the book. Because I thought, you know what, if I actually write what I need to do and then transcribe it, uh, apparently that's how J.K. Rowling does it. But apparently, if I just, you know, if I just work in that way, I don't know. But um, I've got over a thousand. I've got just nearly about a thousand words. You know, just about. Um, so, um, not near enough as my journal. And, you know, I am an underground writer. I don't, I've never did literacy at school. I never studied it till, you know. Um, and I am doing another book, which is about me as DJ Megatron. Um, the years, um, I don't know, I'm kind of going to do sort of the, when I started out as DJ Megatron, and how, um, how those adventures started out, because, um, they were fantastic adventures. They weren't, uh, they weren't all fantastic, believe me. They weren't all fantastic. And, um, you know, so there's that as well. But um, I'm writing this book. Um, a sort of a museum piece for Southpaw, but it's not. It's more kind of fictional stuff. But I wanted to do it for a while, and I kept bringing it off, and um, I did it. So I might just write this book and get it published. I don't know. Um, but um, there is a lot of me in this book. And it's kind of, hmm, what would it be like? You know, it's kind of video game sort of elements to it. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I need to get stuck into it but I also need to get stuck into my CD collection 
as well. So it's another another thing. The book's just kind of been a sideline for it because once I get this published, once I get this done, um, people can then sort of read it, I guess. Um, but I also want to get get it turned into a video game as well. So there's a video game that's going to be set around the book. So it'd be nice to have, you know, a video game and then a book that goes along with it. I might not publish the book through a publisher. I might just publish the book with the video game instead because then people will buy the video game and when they buy the video game, it'll be inside the book, <laughs> you know? Um, it'd be like one of those, do I play the video game or do I read the book? Um... There was a video game that, that was like that. Um, I'm trying to think what it was called. Um, and it came out on the ZX. Oh, no, hold on. Um, Elite for the BBC. That had a book with it, didn't it? But the game came first, not the book. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a bit like... The book is basically a bit like Elite. It's a bit like the early video games. It's a bit like, you know, impending space doom. <laughs> you know, with the uh, with the Matrix and all that kind of stuff. But um, I've decided, you know, if I've got a bit of free time, you know, whatever, just write in, in the day, get over a thousand words done in a day, you know, because it's doable, you know. If I get up in the morning, you know, um, you know, whatever, blah, 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 and then book and obviously um when the book is done which it will be um and I've also decided to set some of the book in France as well um because if you know if you read books like The Neuromancer um which some of my research is based off um, you'll know that some of it's based in different parts and different areas. Um, even though there'll be a lot of parts based in Liverpool and Manchester in the book, um, there'll be some parts where there's, you know, where it mentions France and stuff like that in the book. But, you know, um, there won't be too much of France being mentioned in the book. Um... You know, just because that's the whole thing. And, you know, and I also think in the book as well, um, the, 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 the protagonists, as you know, it's Mike and James, and you get to know sort of a bit more about James and stuff. Um... There is a bit of history, because I've managed to add the South Halls Hotel, which is not there anymore. Um, there's also a hospital, a very strange hospital in the book. Um, you learn a lot of things in the book. So there's sort of things that sort of take you sort of street level. And then there's all the underground stuff. Um, but yeah... I also want to talk on on this moment in time that, yeah, I just think that, you know, um, 
that I really, really want to focus on this book. It's like, I've been reading The Neuromancer and it's like, there's so much about technology. You know, you've got elderly people are against technology. So I think it's good to have those types of people in the book, you know? People that won't go near technology. They're the ones that will be the most affected because they're the ones that technology will attack in years to come. Um, I mean, I've got a couple of people I know. I'd love to tell them that, unfortunately, you are online. It's, you know, your, your medical records, they're online. You know, what happens if they get hacked? People never think about that, of course. Uh, these people that don't want to use the internet at all and are so against the internet. You know, if I was against the internet and so against the internet, well, for one, I wouldn't be doing this podcast. But for two, I wouldn't want my medical records anywhere near the internet. Um, I wouldn't, would make sure that there's no fa- face recognition software. Uh, I'd make sure that my house isn't on Google Maps. So I'd make sure. And, you know, because you'd get people, you'd say, you know, you could go to a family friend and say, um, can you just make sure our house isn't on the Google Maps? And I'm sure there's a way you can get it taken off. There's There are, there are wills and ways, you know. There's, there's you know, certain things. Um, you, there are ways and wills of things being done. But I love it how so people, how people are so oblivious to the online world that they are actually, you know, that they're in. You know, um, if people go to the supermarket... Don't think for one second those those CCTV cameras know who they are. Um, just by facial recognition. That's how it's. That's the world that we are that we are living in now. Um, you know, cameras are everywhere, and people say to me, "Oh well, um, you know, people can't be filmed without their consent." Well. Yeah, they can, you know, that's, that's, you know, but if you walk into a place and it's got CCTV cameras, uh, that's another story for another day. But this book does reflect on the people that are so blind to what they're doing, you know? They walk in a, they walk in a supermarket every day. Um, somebody somewhere will snap them on a mobile phone dash cams and I love this one um, when people say oh these dash cams aren't taking pictures of me um you don't know what people do with dash cams you really don't and technically you don't want to know you know which is why when you're in the street just think someone is filming me today someone's going to take a picture that's how I think you know I'm not bothered if someone takes a picture of me or films me because um, I understand that's how the outside world is um Yeah, the internet is a very dangerous place. Um, It's not as dangerous as people think it is. Um, That's see, that's another thing in the book. Um, The the other piece of thing that I wanted to put. It's kind of annoying, but I wanted to put it in anyways. Was you know, if anyone goes near the internet, they could get harmed Um, physically um, by viruses that come through and harm people. Now, unfortunately, we haven't got to that stage yet, uh, but, you know, could happen, could happen. Um, you know, radioactivity, um, they always tell us. I remember the classic when I was a kid 
And people just say, oh, if you put a mobile phone near your ear, you'll get your radiation cancer, whatever, brain cancer. Um, by Jove, radiation is literally in the air as we walk around. Um, you know, you have Wi-Fi routers now. You have, yeah, it's just a, it's just laughable now. But I remember back in the day. Um, I mean, those AirPods are the worst, but you know, we won't, I won't get onto that. Um, plus, the the horrible to wear for long periods of time anyway. So why would you wear something that's going to be horrible? You know, it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna hurt your ear before you you know you get brain damage. Anyway, anyway um, gosh, my word. Um, but yeah, I, I just think that. Well, everything's bad for you in a way. Um, uh, But getting back to what I'm saying on the whole sort of, you know, cyberpunk era, you know, it's kind of... I kind of want to piss the parents off with the book. You know, to when they read it, they think, Oh my gosh! He's uh, wiping people out with computer viruses! Yeah. Well... Don't you think that's what's actually happening? I want to actually tell people that, that, you know, the elderly generation, that they're so oblivious. It's like they're walking across the road with their eyes closed. That's literally how it is. It's like they're going out on the street with their eyes shut and just walking across the road, not even thinking what's coming at them. And, um, you know, but there are some people... I I love people like my gran. My gran is... You know, she loves... Well, I don't say she loves the internet, but, you know, she goes on it and surfs the web. You know? And that's how it should be. Um, You know? um, We're not living in the early 90s or early 2000s. I used to love that thing. When we press a button, it's going to explode in our faces. Um, I love that one. But, you know, technically... Uh, when I get a computer, I have to fiddle with it because that's how I learn my way around a computer. Um, and it's the same with the web. Um, I've got to know my way around it. And technically, I don't know my way around every single corner of the internet. But um, and by Jove, there are some alleyways on the internet. Um, but it's just like going out into the street, you know, and. The book symbolises that in quite a few things. Um, but, you know, the the one massive joke is the the internet harms people. I just thought, do you know what? Let's have that in there. <laughs> Let's have that. It's so... It's so 90s, isn't it? So 1999. I remember the internet when it was the super information highway. And I used to love the... Um, I used to... What was the one of the things? Uh, apparently... Um, that when the internet chat rooms came around, apparently that, um, you know, people couldn't be safe on these chat rooms. Well, sort of goes to today's world, isn't it? You know, chat rooms, you've got your WhatsApp now and your Facebook Messenger. But back then, we had chat rooms. Um, and in actual fact, they were pretty much open um, because you didn't need a username or password to enter them. Um, I think there was only one that did it. But yeah, chat rooms, people used to go in. Um, 
and all that kind of good stuff. And there used to be message boards as well. Uh, you know, you just left your thing on a message board. I was told not to go near them by a teacher. Um, so, of course, what did I do when I went home? I went near the BBC one. Um, I left a message on the BBC one. Um, I'd help, of course, but I wrote on the BBC message board. Um, they never read it out, but it was left there for quite a while. Um, but message boards... Um, yeah, I mean, kind of, we've gone more to social media than, you know, but message boards, remember them? Probably people don't. Um, I think they were a lot more better message boards because, you know, you could go into the actual website that had a message board, you'd go to, like, the BBC one. I don't know. They still exist. I'll have to have a look. See if message boards are still a thing. Um, yeah. Um... But the internet was, like, you know, a dangerous place, you know. Apparently, if you left a comment... If you if you posted something on a forum in the early days of the web, you were going to get spammed an instance of it. Well, that happens today, unfortunately. <laughs> it happened then, it happens today. Um, you know, basically, I have read... I mean, the morale of the internet is a bit like the Second World War, you know... There's been, um, ever since the internet was invented, you've had hackers, spammers, the rest of it, really. It's just people, it was unheard of, people doing it because, um, because dial-up connections were, um, it was not frequent. You had to know where to go. You had to know where the dodgy people were. Um, you also had to know that you would, you know, people didn't know that they were going to be hacked. Um, it's not like today's world. I'm going to get hacked with an instance. But yeah, people could get hacked. Um, you know. Um, so, it literally discusses that in the book. Um, about people getting hacked. Um, and not everybody that hacks everybody is bad. Unless you got to, you know, this is something somebody said to me, is hacking a good thing or a bad thing? And it's neither, because it's like breaking into somewhere that, you know, that's closed, going somewhere where you shouldn't be. You know, if you're snooping around at someone's IP address, maybe you shouldn't be doing that, because <laughs> if, you, if you get found, um, on a serious note, if you get found in somebody's computer... Uh, you can get put away for a lot of years. So, yeah, I wouldn't do it. Um, but if if it's a friend you know and they're all right with you basically snooping around in their business, then, yeah, it's fine with them. Um, but people used to hack people to solve their problems. Um, now we've just got screen sharing. <laughs> You know, um, Apple had the best way around that. But, you know, um, I think hackers can solve problems. Um, you know, they can get in there. You know, it's like they can... They know where to go. They know they know their way into somewhere. They know through even locked doors. They know how to get in. They know every code. They know every way. They know how to break every single lock and hotwire everything. And... 
not only that, they can still help you in the long run. And hackers, they even break rules to hack, you know, to help people. Um, and it's been, that's happened in real life. People have gone into networks, you know, um, Microsoft used to hire hackers to solve their problems. Um, not necessarily a good thing, um, but also that, you know, you've got to thank some of these security companies now for hackers. There was a, um, a documentary I watched a while ago and there were these two hackers. Um, one of them stole, he knew how to get into like the mainframes of a bank and he stole a, a huge wad of money, right? Uh, he got caught and banged up for it. But now he's, uh, he's, he's building security, he's making security software and he's making things real secure. So the hackers, not only are some of them dumb and stupid, <laughs> which, you know, you have to be clever to be a hacker, but not only is like, even the bad ones, you know, some of them help to get what they want. And I think some of the baddies should be turn into goodies, you know, um, you know, they join like one, once they were hacking somebody to get what they wanted for their benefits. Now they're helping somebody to stop them being corrupted. And it gets mentioned in the book. All of this gets mentioned in the book. And of course you have the bad people that just get what they want. They don't even care about the consequences. There's those types of people as well. And they have to be smart. Now, they have to be, you know, have to be code breaker. Um, they have to be a wise code breaker. Um, and you have to also be a wise um, thingy as well. Yeah, you have to be a wise, uh, you have to be a wise old bird, really. To, um, what do you call it? Um, yeah, you gotta be a wise old bird to crack all the cracks. Um, crack all the stuff um so that's basically what i want to say um is that the bad people um have to be wise to know what they're doing um do hackers have guns yeah of course they do they've got a well they've again um they've got to build weapons for when all our communication sources break down they've got to have all the gear and even the bad people have to be prepared now, I'm going to write the book very differently um, to make things more gritty. Um, I'm sort of going to go back to the beginning of the millennium uh, to get this book all kind of, you know, the way it needs to be. So I'd just like to be, for it to be like so ahead of its time. Um, but yeah, uh, in the book, we've also got some devices which I've invented. One of them is the brain recorder. <laughs> it's brilliant. Um, you can record your dreams with it. Um, you can record your thoughts with it. Um, you can, basically, you can copy your brain. Um, and that's what Neil did. 
um, yeah, you can sort of basically you can record your brain, and you can basically you can um, you know uh, you can even if you know if you if you're smart and clever, you could have the parts from your brain uh, recordings from your brain put into another human brain, put into another human body. There you go. You got a copy of you, um, and yeah. There's also a human printer in the book, which prints out humans. <laughs> yeah. There isn't uh, too much of it mentioned in the book because it's again, it doesn't need to be mentioned. It's very technical, and um, it's only mentioned once in the book. Um, do the bad guys have this? Well, you have to wait and see. Um, what else is there in the book? Supercomputers are mentioned. Again, I've not made them up. There's lots of them. Um, cloning devices. Um, chipped retinas. They're in the book. Um, virtual helmets. They're in the book. I tried something else that uh, I've actually made. Um, oh yeah, a time converter, which can convert time. <laughs> Again, it's not mentioned all that much, but yeah, um, it does get mentioned. Um, so basically, people can be in two places at once. Um, or three places at once. Um, you know, depending on how much of themselves they chop up, you know, um, and also how much data they've got. Um, there is a device for making cells. Uh, and all that kind of stuff. There's devices for making other bits and pieces. There, it really doesn't get mentioned in the book, some of these devices that I've invented, because it, it gets too technical and it's not all in the book. Um, there is a device in the book which, you know, you could disguise other things. I've left that bit in because the hackers, again, they if they want to be smart, they could make a building into a cash machine. They could make a, a mobile phone into a toothbrush. Um, they could make a um, a radio into a chocolate biscuit um, or a cake or something. Um, and you know they do all the th- like they can they can do amazing things if they wanted to. Um, and you know, there is a factory where all these um, disguises are made, or should we say, cases or fronts that are made for these amazing disguises. Um, yes, how they turn a building into a cash machine. Um, I'll tell you this; it's a little bit of a spoiler, but anyway, um, how they do that is uh, they just like a special case and put it in front of the building. Um, it's like a door, so you'd put it where a door is, and it seals up the whole building and makes it look like a cash machine in a wall. 
Uh, so the building is literally hidden behind the cash machine and the wall. Um, and you wouldn't know it unless you were trying to get cash out. Um, there are stupid uh, disguises like tables into... Um, tables into arcade machines and all that stuff. Oh, and by the way, there's computers hidden in tables as well in some of the book. You know, cloud computing. Um, that is mentioned throughout the book as well. Because again, cloud computing, data. You can take it with you anywhere. Um, I listened to a podcast once where somebody said, wouldn't it be good if you just, by your fingerprint, you'd log into the device. Everything would be there. All your games, all your music, all your videos, all your contacts. You know, it's like, Somebody on the bus, if you just wanted to borrow the phone, it would then swap out their their login. You would just put the fingerprint in. It would be your login, so that would be your phone. <laughs> you know, you could you could easily you know you wouldn't have to steal a phone anymore. You could go, hey, do you like my cool phone? And then you could give it them, and then be like, yeah, I I've got the very same phone. Look at all these cool games. Um. So yeah, um, that get mentioned in the book a fair bit, you know, where people walk up to a table, sit down, swipe their finger over a thing, and they've got all their their stuff is right in front of them. No paper, no. I mean, you could literally just carry your CD collection, your vinyl collection, your cassette collection, your pictures, your books, your contacts, your phone books, your address books, literally. There will become a time when you don't need to carry anything. You just take yourself to somewhere, to a library, and you just sit down at a computer and you just log in to your thing and there it all is. You know? You'd be like... You'd be saying to someone, um, I've got this... I forgot my laptop today. Um, can I just use this computer? And they'll be like, wow, where did you get that computer from? Uh, this is all on my computer at home, but, you know. <laughs> um, it's getting like that now a little bit. You know, Spotify, I carry my CD collection around with me everywhere. Um, which is a bit uncool, but hey-ho. Um, in the book, there is strange things you can do, like float down steps. Um, yeah, I, I wanted to have some surreal bits mentioned in the book, you know, um, fighting in midair and all that good stuff. Um, I just think it's really, really cool. Um, unfortunately in the book it has to be described in so much, you know, to actually make the reader think that they're actually being floated in the, you know, in midair to fight in midair and all that good stuff. Um, so, yeah, um, there's also, um, uh, an elevator scene where the elevator's falling, um, and apparently, um, there's a way out the elevator, which I do know, but I'm not going to give that in this podcast. So anyway, folks, um, stick with us, uh, where we're going to just carry on waffling on, I suppose, and then, 
yeah. Well, hello, folks, and welcome to my podcast episode. And um, I wonder if it's a deadly sin to podcast in church. Oh, well, um, I'm trying to compete with some people who do podcasts. And uh, this morning's service was a hit a nerve, the Bible passage in the service this morning. Uh, It was about Jacob uh, wrestling with God. So... Um, I'll do a jump cut from here and um, we'll be back at home. But as you can't hear in the background, we've got a nice organ sound. It's not really an organ, it's just a MIDI file. We've got some people chattering in the background. That's, you know, just women chattering in the background. Uh, there's other people chattering in the background too. And we'll be back with you later on. So, folks, we've now gone from the pulpit to the bus stop. <laughs> and uh, I'm a bit annoyed because I've missed my girlfriend again. Um, and, I am, and I am really annoyed. Um, so I'm just hoping that she messages me back. If she says to come and meet me, then I probably might just do that. Um, but she's got quite a few minutes yet. So I'm just waiting for another text to come through. Um, just let me see if I sent that. I can do that. Oh, right, okay. Um, I must you back in just a second. In fact, um, just let me pause this recording. Um, there'll be a sort of sudden jump cut where we had to... Um, me messaging Helen, and then I'll be back with you guys in a second. So what I've been trying to say um, quite a few times in this podcast is that this morning's Bible message really hit a nerve because um, my nephew, who's called Jacob... Um, it talks about where he was wrestling with God, and but then it talks where like God touched his hip. That really, really hit a few nerves this morning, because um, that's actually happening with my nephew. I think ja- Jacob is like you know a good. Na- I think you know we we get certain names that are selected for us, and you know I think that we have purposes selected for those names. I wonder if Stephen was a bit of a rebel. I don't know. I'd love to know. Um, but anyway, that's uh, kind of... Uh, the sun is shining now. Um, on a vast, I'm just hoping when you're listening to this podcast, you can picture yourselves stood with me at the bus stop. I'm hoping that's what you picture. Um, giving a little bit of Bible spiel. But yeah, he wrestled with God and... Um, he was basically called Israel in the end so um, he was kind of blessed in a way but I think it really just touched the nerve when he said he touched his hip I'm hoping Helen texts me in a minute because I'm stood uh, 
it's not showing me the uh, notifications on the home screen. Yeah, that's my message is still... Oh, she's got it anyway. Um, that's besides the point. Um, so yeah, there was a bit of Bible spiel. The sun is sort of hiding behind the clouds. I think it's like me, it's being a bit sad now. hope it doesn't rain. Um, could do without that. And I'm, I am near the bus stop, but I could really do without the rain. Um, so, yeah. Um, that's what's happening. Arr, I've unclipped one of my poppers. I've done it up now. Speaking of poppers, I'm going to have to fix my sheet when I get home. So, and when I get home, I'm just going to crash. Because it's been a rush. Ah, gone on the days when we used to get a drive here in a car. Ugh, gone on those days. Anyway, um, oh, I hate I hate buses. Um, I really do hate them. As you can probably tell, I'm still waiting for a bus. It'll take an hour, and then I've lost what a good. I've lost a good part of my afternoon, really. Um, I don't want to work on my book at all till tomorrow. Oh, is that a bus coming? No, it's not. It's just my... My... Uh... Do you know what? I'm going to sit on this, uh, this pole here. That's the best... Uh, that's the best seat, and then... When the uh, when the bus when the bus comes, I can. Uh, how far am I from the road? Am I? I'm very. I'm very near to the road, but I'm not. I'm not very near to the road. I'm sat on the little. Um, what do you call it? It's like a GPS thing at the end of the bus. Um, so yeah. Um, wow. There's, um, Fantastic puddle. Nothing to really take a picture of. I'm going to stand up, actually. Um, ah. So, yeah, my book's getting good. I'm in a fight scene at the moment. I'm writing my fight scene, and it's really good. It's um, We're fighting against the guards at the moment. Um... And we're basically, yeah, we're fighting real hard against them guards. Um, just checking that there's no messages coming in from Helen. Oh, I still want a pint. Actually, no, I don't want a pint. I want, uh, hmm. I'm going to get into town. And I'm probably going to grab something, I think. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm in a fight with the guards at the moment. 
So I'm 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 gonna write before I go to bed because um oh 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 yes that sounds like a bus it is a bus hello driver can I have the um the Wellington please come here yeah yeah you know the pub. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have that, please. Okay, that's fine, huh? Good. Brilliant. I've now got to tell my girlfriend that I'm safe on the bus. Now, I don't know how good this is going to be. But um, I've just put my Bluetooth earphones in to anchor just to see how good they actually work. Um, <clears throat> just before we sign off for the night, um, I have reached 2,000 words. So how have them at? I don't know. Now, I don't know how good this is going to be. But um, I've just put my Bluetooth earphones in to anchor just to see how good they actually work. Um, <clears throat> just before we sign off for the night, um, I have reached 2,000 words. So how have them at? I don't know.